We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, underwater modeling and TV show themes. So much chlorine and this dress that wanted to drown me. And we did a shoot. And after afterwards, I just that I just thought like this is this is exactly what I want to do. Suspended in time and reality. So it gives a really dreamy look to the images. If you shoot for too long in chlorine, what happens is it looks like you're in an old timey movie. You're, you have this like flashback scene where everything's hazy and every light has this big ring of light around it. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is taking modeling in a new direction, underwater. It's something that's both incredibly difficult and amazing to see. This is underwater model Linnea Snyderman. So how is underwater modeling different than other types of modeling? So I don't consider myself a model. I consider myself an underwater model because it's only taking place under the surface of the water. So um, it can be any body of water. It can be a pool, a lake, a river, an ocean. Um, But yeah, you're submerged fully underwater. I guess, how do you get into that, right? Like that doesn't seem like the natural avenue. Right, absolutely. So I got into this over 10 years ago. Uh, My aunt and uncle have a friend who is a director and he was making an underwater film. And he just wanted to do some test shots. And so I got in a public pool with him, so much chlorine and this dress that wanted to drown me. And we did a shoot. And after afterwards, I just that I just thought like this is this is exactly what I want to do. I love the water. So I'm a water baby and I'm a professional dancer as well. So I just combined two things that I absolutely love more than anything and combined my passions. Why is this a thing, I guess, in that sense, right? <laughs> like Okay, but why do this? Right. Well, it's a thing because not everyone can do it. Um, A lot of people have trouble staying underwater, you know, being comfortable in the water. So there's a small amount of people that can actually achieve um, modeling underwater. It's a lot harder than it seems. And it's something that fortunately came very naturally to me. And it's just something that just felt like this is what I was meant to do. Um, it's it's unique. It it's, gives a completely different perspective to a to an image or a video. We'll show some of the images on screen for people who maybe are looking at this on YouTube or things like that. But like, how would you describe the kind of look of the images? I guess. Yeah, I think of them. At least what I like to do is very artistic and ethereal. You have this sense. I mean, you're obviously weightless. So you have this sense of weightlessness and. Um, there's no time. It's just 
suspended in time and reality. So it gives a really dreamy look to the images. I'm going to go all psychological here that I've heard that the water represents our unconscious in some mm. ways that that is yes. that is supposedly what water represents which is why you always see it in like movies and tv shows and things like that yeah and i would obviously like the first one i saw some of your images is like oh ethereal is the word that is like the word right yeah absolutely is there a lot of this being done you know, it's a fast growing field, honestly, underwater modeling. I think a lot of people are catching on to it and everyone wants to try it. And some people can do it and some people have a lot of trouble with it, but um, it's definitely growing. You're starting to see a lot more underwater in films and TV commercials, uh, print ads for fashion. It's growing rapidly. But when I first got into underwater modeling, it wasn't really a thing. And then you have the mermaid thing, which is a whole separate a separate category, but what I do is is art, is what I consider it to be. Now, wait a minute. Is there a little tension between the underwater modeling community and the mermaid community? Because my <laughs> mind has just picked up a little bit. Is there a little tension there? I think there is a little bit of tension because a lot of people say, oh, you're a mermaid. And I have to correct them, well, I'm a mermaid without the tail. Um, because I do consider those to be very different things. Um, I think mermaiding is... It lives in the fantasy world, which is beautiful on its own. What I do is more in the artistic world. Um, it's not entertainment. It's art. So, like, when we kind of get into the techniques of it, so to speak, right, like, what do you have to do as an underwater model that you wouldn't have to do on a land shoot? I don't – I want to use yeah. the word normal, but I, you know what I, I – I call it on land shoot. Uh <laughs> So if I have a photo shoot that's not in the water, I'm like, today I'm shooting on land. Um, no, that's a great question. I think, so I'm a scuba diver and I've been scuba diving since I was 14 years old and scuba diving teaches you buoyancy control. And that is basically what separates on land modeling from underwater modeling. You have to figure out how much air is in your lungs. Where do I want the shot? Where does the photographer want the shot? Do you want to be at the surface of the water? Do you want to be at the bottom? Or do you want to be suspended floating in the middle of the water? And that all depends on your lungs and buoyancy control. So for example, if you want to be at the top of the pool or the surface of water, you need to have more air in your lungs. If you want to be floating beautifully suspended in time and space, you let out about half of your air. And if you want to go all the way to the bottom of the water, you're gonna let out all of your air before you submerge. And that takes a lot of practice. Um, I'm also a free diver. So the free diving, the scuba diving has helped me so much with the underwater modeling as well. And just general comfort in the water is definitely necessary. How long would you say that it took you to really get good at it? I don't, I don't want to sound <laughs> braggy as you were saying, but honestly, it's something that came super, super naturally to me. And I just, I credit that to my comfort in the water since, you know, childhood and then my dancing ability. So being a professional dancer um, for many, many years taught me what my body looks like in space and how to move in space. So I almost know exactly what I'm going to look like from the camera's perspective, just from my years of ballet in front of a mirror. Can, have you seen other models transition? 
Yeah. So I think it's, it's much easier if you have a performing or a dance background, because you just have that awareness of pointing your feet and how to control your body in space. But I've definitely seen people that, you know, aren't as comfortable in the water. So you're so focused on your breath and how you can't breathe. Um, so it, there's a huge range of comfort in the water. It's, you have to think about a million things when you're doing it. So on land, you're just breathing air, but underwater, you're not only controlling your breath and where you are in space, but you're controlling the way your hair and your clothes move in the water. And then you're posing, and then you're trying not to run out of breath. And then you're pointing your toes. And then, you know, there's just a, do I have time to get to the surface? Um, there's just a lot more involved underwater. So when we talk about like, basically who's kind of paying for these campaigns? What kind of campaigns, like what are these images and videos and things like that? Like, what are they generally being used for? A lot of what I do is work for trade and it's just a beautiful artistic shoot that I'm doing with the photographer. I'm getting images um, to post on my website, my social media platforms. And that's a lot of what it is. But when I do get paid for shoots, um, it's either just coming directly from the photographer or say you're doing a print ad or a commercial, you're definitely going to be paid better for something like that or a music video. Um, so I've done, I've done some of those bigger paid jobs as well, but mainly what I do is just for the love of it. It's just being creative in the water. And that's honestly, I haven't put as much pressure on myself to make it a full-time career just because there isn't enough work out there. Um, at least in exactly what I do. Do you think that it's going to get to that? Or is this like, yeah, this might get a little bit more popular, but it's always going to kind of be right in that area. I think in order to make money at the underwater modeling thing, you have to be incredibly present on social media. It's all about social media. So the, the few people that are making money doing this, they are teaching workshops. They're bringing people to exotic locations and teaching them how to do underwater modeling or underwater photography. And that sounds great, but that means you are just on social media all day, every day. And I don't think that you have to be able to edit all of your stuff. You have to be making content, putting it out every day. And that's just, I just want to come in and do the thing. I don't, I don't want to do all the computer stuff. So I've, I've decided I would rather just do this because I love to do it and not put in that all day, every day on the grind computer, um, TikTok, Instagram reels. It, it's just too much for me personally. It's, it kind of sounds like, right? Like the way to make money in it is to be less of a model and more of an influencer. Absolutely. 100%. Is it cold? Feels like it would be cold. <laughs> you mean the water? Yeah. Like, uh, Okay, this is <laughs> so at this point in my career, um, I hate shooting in cold water. Honestly, I, I hate it. I'm always cold. Um, so either I'll shoot in the summer. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, it's really warm in the summer. So most pools, even if they're not heated, they're fine in the summer. In the winter, it would have to be a heated pool. I'm not getting into a freezing cold pool. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I get a lot of requests to shoot in the ocean here in, uh, you know, in Catalina and off the coast of, you know, Los Angeles. And I just, I refuse. I just cannot handle the cold. It's way too cold here. Yeah. I don't think that maybe people who live in other parts of the country, because I live on the West Coast. I live in Seattle. 
and like the water up here is freezing. Like it's in yeah. the 50s and like yeah. you can do it, but you can't right. really do it for very long. Right. Well, as soon as you're too cold, your breath hold goes. I mean, you have no breath hold once you're cold. When I'm free diving in California, I can barely hold my breath. If I'm free diving in the Bahamas, you know, I'm good to go. That kind of like basically leads us into some of our listener submitted questions. So are you ready for some listeners, harder slash listener submitted questions? Yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> Best place to shoot, worst place that you've shot. My absolute favorite place to shoot is the cenotes in Mexico. And I've had the opportunity to, to, uh, to shoot there a few times. And so if, for the listeners that don't know what a cenote is, it's an underground natural pool of water. Um, you could have, it's, sometimes you have a cave overhead, sometimes it's an open pit of water, but it's all natural. It can be salt, uh, freshwater or brackish. Um, I love shooting those because, I mean, it is a little bit on the cold side, but it's worth it. You have this beautiful natural rock behind you and each cenote is so unique and different and you'll have little fish in there, turtles swimming around with you. Um, and it's a really controlled environment, unlike the ocean. So that leads me into the next part. I don't especially love to shoot in the ocean. I mean, you'll get some really beautiful images, but it's a lot harder. It's, it takes a lot more effort. Um, first of all, to get down in the salt water to hold, you know, to be able to submerge and sink. Um, salt water makes you very buoyant. So that adds another layer. Then you have the crashing waves at the surface and you're trying to get calm before you go down. So um, you don't have the ledge of a pool or the edge of the, the lake to hold on to. There's nothing to hold on to unless you have a buoy. Um, but even then, it's just, it's a lot more effort. You have the, the waves crashing around you. You have to look out for coral. So I love shooting in a more controlled atmosphere, like a cenote or a swimming pool. Um, but yeah, chlorine is a whole, you know, chlorine versus salt is a whole nother topic as well. <laughs> yeah, what do you do if you're shooting in a place that like, it's not like you can just go sit in the chair, right? Like you're waiting. Like, what do you do? What do you do? Right. You're just treading water out there waiting for the next... So it's already so exhausting being an underwater model. You know, the shoot is a lot more tiring than if I'm shooting on land. But as soon as you take away the edge or something to hold on to that's solid, it's it's it takes it astronomically higher in terms of discomfort. You don't have time to catch your breath. You don't have time to relax your body. And the whole thing with free diving or underwater modeling is it's a very zen feeling when you're under the water. You should be calm. You should be in control. Um, and it's hard to do that when you're gasping for air and you can't catch your breath. So yeah. <laughs> so what do you, do they have to have like a buoy out there? Yeah, you would have to have a buoy. And even with a buoy, I mean, unless it's a really like solid, bigger buoy, I don't know. It's, it's still hard to fully feel calm before you submerge. Yeah. That would be the thing to me, right? Is like, one, it seems like a thing that's like, all right, well, you just go underwater and you take the picture. But then when you really get into it, it's like, oh, this is a lot more complicated than I thought that it was going to be. Yeah. How far down do you usually have to shoot? Like, are you just a little bit below the water? Or are you like way down there? Yeah, it totally depends on what the photographer wants or the body of water that I'm in. Um, I'm primarily shooting swimming pools, which ideally are seven to nine feet. And so sometimes I'll be shooting at the surface. Um, 
sometimes they'll be shooting at the bottom. So anywhere between the surface and nine feet down. Um, in the ocean or a lake or a river, sometimes it can get deeper. And so I have, so I have a very uh, good sinking capability, which is great, but sometimes I'll just let out all my air and I'll start sinking and I won't even realize that I'm going like, 10, 15, 20 feet down and I'm posing. And if you're in a body of water, you can't necessarily feel that you're sinking. And you look up and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm way down. And then I haven't been clearing my ears. Um, so that's another thing you have to think about is if you're getting you know, too deep, you really have to be clearing your ears every few feet as you go down. And if you don't realize you're sinking, you're not clearing your ears and then you can get a lot of um, issues with the ears, which is not fun. A lot of sinus stuff going on. <laughs> Have you ever been in like a dangerous situation where you've been like, oh, crap? I I haven't. I, I feel like I've been in control of, of most of the shoots I've done. Um, the the worst thing I've done is, is yeah, just sinking too deep and not realizing it. And then my ears start hurting and you come to the surface and you really have to reset before you go down again, because you can really, really mess up your ears if you're not careful. How do you keep, like, how do you keep the clothes organized? <laughs> it is an art form to keep the clothes organized, honestly. Um, sometimes I'm wearing nothing at all. Sometimes I'm wearing a leotard and sometimes I'm wearing these like beautiful long dresses um, that can really get tangled. So actually I had a shoot on Tuesday and the photographer had created this beautiful skirt that had a million little strips down to the bottom and they all start to tangle and they start to tangle around your legs and at some point you can't kick anymore and you have to just use your arms so that's a moment where you have to really be fully aware of what you're doing and make sure you have enough time to get to the surface i also did this amazing shoot it was an ocean conservation shoot a few years ago and we built a fence with a bunch of plastic on it and we basically put it on the surface of the water so my job was to swim underneath and pretend like i'm trapped under oh. this fence and of course if you don't give yourself enough time or you get snagged on the fence you know it's it can become potentially hazardous so you have to give yourself time if you feel like you're running out of air just go to the surface there's no one that's counting your breath hold or saying you didn't hold your breath long enough you really have to be safe and make sure you have time to get to the surface. So if you're shooting in a pool, like, is this like a public pool? Like I'm imagining like the scene from Caddyshack when there's this, okay, <laughs> there's the underwater photographers and then there's like kids dunking each other in the background. So ideally not a public pool. Um, usually it's someone's home, someone that just has a pool in their backyard. And I know there's a million pools in LA, but it's still always hard to find a good pool. Um, something that's deep enough, something that is, you know, warm enough, um, not too many leaves falling into it. But yeah, public pools are my least favorite place to shoot because there's so much chlorine and your eyes just start burning pretty much instantly. Oh, that's yeah. That's another thing that makes underwater modeling so different from other things is that there's so much eye stuff going on um, when you're in the water. There's no other profession or hobby that I can really think of where your eyes need to be open underwater. I mean, if you're synchronized swimming or you're a swimmer, you have goggles on. If you're a free diver, scuba diver, you have goggles on, you have a mask on. So 
mermaiding, underwater modeling. I can't think of anything else that has your eyes open for that long. And sometimes you're shooting for three, four hours underwater. So if the pH of the water is not correct, you can really do some damage to your eyes. And I cannot tell you how many times I've driven home with just like these cloudy eyeballs where I can barely see anything. And I'm trying to see the the street signs and the, the exit. To get, I mean, you can barely see anything. It looks like... Um, if you shoot for too long in chlorine, what happens is it looks like you're in an old timey movie. You're you have this like flashback scene where everything's hazy and every light has this big ring of light around it. Um, so reading signs and street lights is hard. And this is just one of the hazards. So it's always better to bring someone with you if possible and they can drive you home. Yeah. That's the safest way to do it. Yeah, that seems like a bad right. That seems like a problem for this industry. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It is. And there are there are eye drops you can use that, that help a little bit. Um, I know some people wear contacts in the water. And I actually, I used to wear contacts before LASIK. And I did some shoots with them. And they actually didn't float away, which I was worried about. And they do protect your eye a little bit more. So if you're able to wear contacts, um, there's also these gel drops I think a lot of mermaids use. Um, it only helps so much. Yeah, after yeah. a certain amount of time, it's not right. Like, there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, yeah. Who is the greatest underwear or underwear underwater? <laughs> who is the greatest underwater model of all time? And if it's you, say it's you. Um, well, the best in the first is Hannah Mermaid. Um, she is also local to Los Angeles and I've shot with her once, but she, you know, she built this industry and I give her a lot of credit, um, to that. Um, in terms of underwater model there, there's a handful of us out there. There's not too many. I'm pretty much in contact or have worked with all of the underwater models that are really doing it out there. Um, I, like I said before, I consider myself to just be lucky enough to have found what I love so much and something that I just am naturally good at. So I think I'm one of the best. And I hear that from almost every photographer that I work with. Um, there's a huge difference between someone who's never shot underwater and someone who has a lot of experience. There's just a, it's just massive. The comfort when I'm when I find my neutral buoyancy and I'm able to just move slowly and in control in the water, that's, that's rare. Um, and to, and to just have that moment of peace when you're not thinking about a million things, that's, that's what takes it to the more professional, um, level. That's right. When you just mentioned that, right? Like, cause I'm thinking like, okay, natural buoyancy. Right. But then I just basically realized that, wait, I'm kind of flailing around once I go underwater, <laughs> right? Like, oh, I got to right. stay afloat here. Yeah. yeah. If you're new, if you're newer to it, you're moving fast. You're moving really sharp. You're just trying to stay down and you're just trying to get your hair out of your face. Um, but with a lot of, you know, time and practice, you're able to just be fully in control of your entire body. So as a professional dancer, when I'm on stage doing my ballet thing, I'm aware of my facial expression. I'm aware of where my eyes are looking. I'm aware of my body in space. I'm aware of my, what exactly what my feet are doing, the dancers around me. And that has been instrumental in this field because when I'm underwater, 
I know what my dress is doing. All I need to do is just throw it to the side and feel that fabric move outward, kind of like a jellyfish. And with my hair, I know if I just put my head back a little bit, the hair will kind of get out of my face and do a nice flowy thing. And of course the toes are always pointed. So there's just, you know, that moment of Zen where it just all comes naturally and you don't have to think about it so much. Yeah, like do you have to have certain proportions, right? Mm, yes. To be like, is there a certain height or weight or whatever proportion-wise that like, oh, that's that's a good underwater model. Like this isn't going to be a good <laughs> This is such a great question. Um, there is absolutely no body type that is better or worse for underwater modeling. Anybody can be an underwater model. Um, I was once told that I was too short to work with a specific photographer. Um, because I'm 5'6", and in the water, I look about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and she said I was too short. And in the water, everything elongates. So I would say there's no requirement for size, shape, anything. Anyone can be an underwater model. Um, if you're doing like fashion photography, you know, you're showing off the clothing. And so, you know, there's obviously a beauty standard for that, but anyone can do it. There's no, that's the beauty of it. It's not high, it's not, it's not print ad fashion modeling. This is beautiful, artistic and unique. It is cool to see it, right? Like there is something about it. What do you think that that something is? I think it's the weightlessness. I think you're having the, what makes underwater modeling different than on land shooting is this weightlessness. So when you're in the water, you try not to make a whole lot of bubbles or you do. So sometimes the viewer can't even tell that you're in the water, but then you have this flowing fabric, you have this flowing hair that you just don't get on land. Um, and it's like you're in outer space. You're just floating around in there. <laughs> okay, do you see your Instagram? Yes, I do. Okay, so tell me about this one. Yeah, this was a commercial I did last year with Brett Stanley. Um, it was for an underwater pool cleaner. And almost everything you see in this image was submerged underwater, which is the coolest part. I think the only things that were Photoshopped were the books floating and maybe the pile of books as well. But I was holding a book. I was sitting on a chaise lounge and I, you know, all of that was there. Um, so the set designers got really creative in how to sync all of that. How did you do that? Like, how do you keep that position underwater? I let all of my air out, completely all of my air. So I sink right down to the bottom. I'm not floating around. And we had the pose. They told me exactly what they wanted once they saw it. They told me they want the hair flowing on the left. They want the hand holding the glasses on the right. They want the hand holding the book. So once I knew exactly what they wanted, I was able to recreate it over and over until they got the perfect image. Do you just have to do that enough times? Like it doesn't seem like something the water's really going to cooperate, right? Kind of like, well, I'll <laughs> the water never does what you want it to do. Absolutely. So that's why you have to do a few takes to get get it all in place. Also, you know, pull the dress down, make sure it's not coming up. So you kind of take about 10, 15 seconds once you get to the bottom to kind of settle, feel comfortable, get the dress in place, get the book in place, swoop the hair to the side, grab the sunglasses. So yeah, it's a process. Do you know like how many 
takes or however you want to phrase it before you got this? Because if you said a thousand to me, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like, <laughs> no, probably 10 times submerging to get this particular shot. You know, before this image was captured, you know, we tried other poses and, you know, you try different things. And once they see what they want, they get really specific. And I love that. I love when a photographer is specific because I can actually give them exactly what they want. If they tell me where they want the hands, the feet, um, the dress, I can do all of that. And that's, again, my training in, in ballet, being able to know exactly how to work the costume and work with the dancers around me and spacing just all comes together. This is just kind of... Yeah, oh. that was last week, just messing around. And I have this GoPro and I've just been meaning to create more content and... I was just having fun with this. And most of the comments I got were like, wow, you can sink so easily. <laughs> you can see. I'm a sinker. Yeah. You can see that you're very fluid. Yep. It is slow movement. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Always slow. That first image actually is pretty exciting. <laughs> this one? Yeah. Okay. What's, <laughs> what's, what's going on here now? Uh, this was the cover of Playboy, summer 2019. So oh. I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to shoot for the cover. And that was such an amazing opportunity. That was with Ed Freeman. I've worked with him many times, and he's just a wizard in the water, um, what he creates. So that was the, the final image. Dude, where is that? Where what? It's in a pool in Los Angeles. Oh, the thing that threw me off was like the back. It almost looks like there's an iceberg behind it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he'll sometimes shoot just underwater, just the pool without us in it oh. and get these like really beautiful patterns of light. And then he'll put them into the image. And if you see the reflection on the surface, it's actually the the bunny ears. <laughs> That's really cool, right? It has levels. It's mirroring our legs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am like... Uh... I'm not, I'm, this is going to sound like I'm just staring at this, right? But <laughs> all the right places are covered. So actually I was, um, I had an extra job on set. I was there to make sure that every, we had seven people, I think it was seven or maybe more than that. Seven of us on set shooting underwater for this, uh, this edition. And my job was to help make sure that everyone was posing in a way that was not too revealing. So I had to kind of coach, you know, covering the arm over the chest or, you know, use your downstage leg or the leg in front to kind of cover things. And um, the funny thing was the, the woman in the middle, Marissa, she is a, she's worked with Playboy many times and she's very comfortable with her body. So in almost every shot, it's just everything <laughs> wide just open. wide open, right? Like, <laughs> and hey. The, the photographer had to kind of sh do some extra shading um, for this image. <laughs> this one, this is cool to me. Oh yeah, that's Cheryl Walsh. She's also Southern California based and her work is just absolutely phenomenal and she keeps her pool meticulously clean. So the images always come out really crystal clear and crisp. I'm wearing a wig in this image. So she loves to work with wigs. Yeah. How do you like to me, the, the challenge would be the dress, right? Yeah. So actually we had someone on the surface helping hold the edges of the dress and then let them go as I submerge to get that perfect, like rounded, upward because i'm holding a sword i have to focus on holding yeah, yeah, the sword yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so sometimes you'll have people on set helping to kind of help with the dress. How were they, were they just like holding it with their hands or were they like using yeah. wires from up above? No, just with their hands, they hold it. And as I submerge, they kind of slowly let it go. And she captures the image right as I'm, I'm sinking. That's cool. Yeah, I love this so where image. Is, now, where is this at? So this is in the Florida Springs, um, shooting with Justin Lutsky, and I'm with my friend Jane here. And this was a concept I had. Um, basically, it's it's a it's an ode to Mother Nature. So I am basically Mother Nature um, on the top, and my friend is the dying Earth, the dying aspects of our planet. So this was a very um, political image and uh, environmental image, trying to bring awareness to just the destruction we're we're wreaking havoc on our planet. So this is me trying to save the planet. How far down would you be there? Um, this was pretty shallow. So maybe five, maybe it's five feet deep. Okay. Really not. Yeah. So we had to be kneeling. We couldn't be vertical. Otherwise we'd be out of the water, but I just love the way you get the, the trees up above. And I always love getting the opportunity to shoot in nature. It's, it gives a very different look to the image than if you're just shooting in a pool. This was in the ocean. There's two of us in this image, actually. I had to and look at it for a while. I was like, wait, is yeah. that one person or two people? Yeah. It reminds me of like a Nautilus shell. Oh, it um, does, right? Yeah, this was created in the Bahamas with photographer Zena Holloway. And she is, in many people's opinion, the best, the best of the best underwater. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely love this image. You can't tell whose arms or legs or what's going on and... She might have edited out some limbs as well, but um, you can just see the, the beautiful sand on the bottom, and then she rotates the image as well. Yeah, I can't tell whose who's, who's part is whose there. Right. I'm actually, I'm the, I always thought I was the top person. I'm actually the bottom, um, the bottom model. And those are my arms kind of over her, <laughs> like you, but it took a moment. <laughs> you weren't even able to like, which way, which one am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, where is that? What so is this is the, the playboy photographer, Ed Freeman. He's just incredible. I love working with him. Um, this was in a pool in Los Angeles as well. And we actually put a mirror on the bottom of the pool. And so that that's what gives that reflection on the bottom instead of the, the surface of the water. Oh, that makes sense, right? I was wondering, like, okay, where? How did he do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I mean, they you did have to decide, it. But I get too. It. Do you want a very literal concept, or do you want something a little more, you know, abstract? And it all just depends on your communication with the photographer and what you're going for. Sometimes I come in with a concept. Sometimes they come in with a concept, um, and sometimes we'll combine our ideas as well. There's so yeah. many more levels to it when you see it. There's so many levels and each photographer is so different in their approach to it. So, you know, some people will just shoot with the same one or two photographers. I shoot with so many different photographers, which means I have to adapt to each of their styles. Um, the only thing that I, I keep really consistent with photographers, which comes from me, is I like to do three breaths with the photographer each time before I submerge. And that's that's if they're free diving with me and not on scuba. Um, but if they're just going down with me, I like to have eye contact with them so that I know they're ready um, and no one's running out of breath. We give three big breaths and they'll kind of go down a little bit before me and to get settled. And then I'll I'll let out my air and go down on the next 
on the last breath. So that is how I like to communicate with my photographers every time. But they're always asking different things of me, and that's really fun as well. That's pretty much all the questions that I have. Is there anything that you think that we missed or anything like that? Or how can people get a hold of you, learn more about this? I think we covered a lot. I mean, there's always more to delve into, to dive into, but um, I'm mainly on Instagram, Underwater Linnea, and I have a TikTok as well, YouTube. I do a lot of content myself. I love to create music videos and commercials and things like that on my own. Um, because sometimes if the work isn't coming to you, you have to create it on your own. And that's the world we live in this day and age. <laughs> I want to thank Linnea so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've also included her information in the episode description. If you want to see some of the things that we talked about, the images and the videos there really is something special about them. The YouTube version of this episode will be live on August 17th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay, I want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of our show, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is farm-fresh food, pre-portioned ingredients that can be delivered right to your door. And we all know that fall is right around the corner. And the summer slowdown is coming to an end, and it's going to get really busy. And I can speak from experience. Just having something there like HelloFresh where you can just, it's pre-made, it's good, you don't have to think about it. You can prepare some of these recipes in 15 minutes or less, and you get this amazing variety where not only can you just put something together really quickly, but it's going to taste really good. It's pretty cost-effective, honestly. 25% cheaper than takeout. So I, I've used it before. I thought it was fantastic. And right now, they are offering a special discount to our, les- our listeners. All you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Pointless and use code 50Pointless for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50Pointless and use code 50Pointless for 50% off. We'll put a link and the code in the description. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay. Now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. I have to say, though, we had some massive technical difficulties. So the only thing that we were able to get is the top five. But I think it's one of our better top five. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of strong opinions about if these are really the top five. All right, so our number five, our top five is top five TV show theme songs. What's your number five? Yeah, so there was a lot of 
There's a lot on my list. It's hard to narrow down just to five, but we'll start number five off at uh, Friends. I think Friends is overrated. I think Friends is one that a lot of people would go to, but ultimately, I think the song is good, but it doesn't really set me up for the actual show as much as some other ones that I personally would put on my list. My number five is The Addams Family. Definitely a good one. Um, it's on my honorable mention, though. Okay, okay, it's number four. My number four, the Brady Bunch theme. Oh, come on. Are you going old school all the time? Brady Bunch. I mean, but they've transcended generations. I don't actually know it. Can you do the, the song? Uh, the, the Brady Bunch, everybody's favorite family. No, I, I don't know. I just I know that it's a, a jingle that I can't think How? of at the moment. So how are you going to put it on your list then if you can't even do what it is? Because I'm a fraud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's completely fine. Uh, my number four is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay. I definitely have that one up on the list. Okay. You have it a little bit higher? I do, yes. That's the only one that I would say, and I'm not knocking the TV show, but that's the only one that I would say that's held back by the show itself. The theme song for that is better than the show. Oof. Man, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that for any theme song, but uh, yeah, that, I don't agree with that at all. What's your? But the line that jumps out to me is "You move with my aunt and uncle to Bel Air." That's the one that I immediately remember. Yeah, I mean, moving with my aunt and uncle Bel Air went to the house to get some knuckleheads out there co-shooting some. Oh wait, that's, that's not, not even the song. Not, oh my god. That's you just mixed that up and like I did. Um, yep with easy e e that's yep. easy e. I don't know if I should be impressed or disappointed because you got those two together, which is kind of like yeah. Let's just say that if this if this episode makes it out on Wednesday, it's a fucking miracle. It is a miracle. We honestly like you did a fantastic job of struggling through life, and that's what it is. <laughs> that is the ultimate lesson that I would like to teach my children, and that if I could ever impart some wisdom, like you don't always have to be moving forward by leaps and bounds. Sometimes you just got to move forward by a millimeter. All you got to do is move forward, and even though we had all these struggles, like you persevered. You didn't give up, and that's winning the battle no matter what the outcome is. You won the personal battle, John. Congratulations, man. I think I'm pretty proud of you actually right now. I, I actually am not. I wanted I want a full 45-minute record session instead of the last hour and a half getting 10-second blurbs here. Anyways, um, my number three, and I give the guy a lot of shit, but I feel like it has to be on here, is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I can't. I mean, I remember that a little bit. To me, the Sesame Street song is a little bit better than Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, you're you're. I mean, you're not wrong. Listen, I once again screw Mister Rogers. He has some skeletons in his closet, I'm sure. He but. does not, dude. Sesame Street is a good song. I would put the theme song from Bluey up there as well. That's going to be a legendary theme song. Dad, do 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 do. Mom, yeah, yeah, that one's bingo. There really isn't, oh, man, that's a whole discussion, though. Is there a good TV show with a bad theme song or entrance? Like, oh, this is awful. Yeah, remember, well, oh, you mean a bad theme sh- song for a good TV show? Oof. 
Yeah, theme song, intro music, whatever. We're like, oh, that's awful, but the show is great. No, they usually go hand in hand, right? If the show is good, it has a good theme song. That is true. I can't really think of any good shows with bad theme songs or intros. Uh, my number three is The Simpsons. They're on my honorable mention. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't actually really remember it except for the end with, you know, The Simpsons. I remember the beginning and the end. It's a hard theme song to dis- to, to distance from the visuals. That would be the only thing. Okay. What what do you mean distance from the visuals? What does that mean? I th- think of when I'm I th- like I picture what's happening in the intro more than I think of the song. Okay. Like my number one, like you could do the song by itself, but in the, the Simpsons, like I gotta kind of see it to go along with it. Uh, what's your number? What's your number two? South Park. Oh, that is a good one. But you never knew what he was saying, right? I mean, you still don't know. That might be the best theme song where you don't actually know any of the words. Yeah, you're probably right on that one. Right? Yeah. I, mean, I can't. People shouting something, howdy neighbor. <laughs> people shouting, howdy neighbor. Ample parking. I remember that one, <laughs> and I didn't under I didn't understand that at the time. Like, oh, what? Who cares about ample parking? And then you become an adult, and you're like, ooh, good parking is is pretty essential. Geniuses, those two geniuses. My number two is The Sopranos. So I've never seen The Sopranos. I looked at a couple of lists, and it was high on the list. So I'll say sure, but I've never actually seen an episode of The Sopranos. It's a very good theme song. It's an iconic theme song. I think it's probably. I think I would make a strong argument that HBO, HBO, as a company or whatever you want to call it, has by far the best intros. You see an HBO intro, you're like, whoa, and then you see any other kind of thing, and you're like, I just don't understand why people don't hire the HBO people. Like, it, they're <laughs> clearly the best at making any kind of intros. Because the HBO people are making plenty enough money where they are, they do not need to go anywhere else. Well, yeah, that's probably true. But it is amazing. It's like, how come you guys get this right every single time and nobody else ever gets it right? I mean, I wouldn't say people, other shows don't get it right, but whatever. Uh, my number one, Rawhide. What? No, I'm kidding. It's uh, That actually was on my honorable mention, Rawhide, but no. Um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is my number one. It's just too catchy. That's Yeah, it's too... It, uh, I mean, the show came out, what, late 80s, early 90s, mid-90s? I mean, it's – look what it spawned. Look, look, people, you know, it's it's easily – I would say it's the second most recognizable theme song on my list outside of the Friends song. My number one is the Game of Thrones song. I think that that is the best intro song because it sets the stage for the whole episode. As soon as you heard that music, you were like, oh, yeah. It's Game of Thrones time. You don't feel that way about any about Friends, about Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That theme song made that show an event. I mean, you were definitely jacked up and tuned in for it. Like as soon as that hit at eight o'clock, you knew you were in for a Game of Thrones episode, and you were there. Um, that's not that's not a bad choice. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's number one. Plus, it's not really. I mean, it is a theme. 
Eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It, it's, it shouldn't be number one, but it's fine to be on the list. Yeah, I think it should be number one. I think it should be number one. I don't really that that to me is like dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Like all right. It sets you up. And not only did it set you up, like it got you excited about the show, that music mimicked kind of what was going on in the show, like intrigue, suspense, mm, sex. Yeah, they got rid of that. Lots of dicks. Did you have that big... Okay. I don't remember seeing a lot of dicks, honestly, in Game of Thrones. I don't remember seeing just straight dick shots. You froze as soon as I said dicks, and then I came back, and all I heard was you say dick shots. So I'm gonna say yes. Oh uh, yeah, say yes. If there's a if they, if you see a dick shot now, John and I are both straight married men. No no judgment or anything if that's not your thing. But if there's a dick shot on TV, are you gonna keep watching it or do you kind of turn away? Oof, that's a. I mean, I won't turn away. I'm not gonna pause it, but I'll, you know, I'll. I'll it's there i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna go one way or the other i'll put my hand up be like all right (laughs) i don't need to see that dick shot unless it's like a funny dick shot but otherwise i'll be like okay i can skip that part i'm not gonna lie to you most of the dick shots that happen i don't realize are coming and then it's there and i'm like oh that's a that's a dick on the tv it is very surprising that you can generally see female nudity coming but male nudity in a show is always a surprise also, we sound pretty uh, machovinistic right now or whatever because we're talking about dicks and us going, ooh, do you think women do that when a boob shot's on the TV? Probably not. No, but a woman's body, objectively, whatever your sexual interest in, a woman's body is a better looking thing than a man's body. Oh, yeah. Like a man's, like you like a, a, a wiener just looks weird. <laughs> Like, it's just like this thing that's, it's like somebody took an elephant's trunk and just shrunk it way down and then stuck it halfway through. Way down. It's really, Way down. Right. I'm thoroughly convinced <laughs> that, I, I don't know if there is a God or not, that's my personal belief system, but I'm thoroughly convinced that dicks were a complete joke to him or her or whatever God is. It would be less like, hey, <laughs> watch, watch this. I'm going to put that right there. <laughs> I mean... There was definitely way cooler things you could have given the male species to have sex with than that. But it's fine. It's practical. It works most times. I do find it hilarious that despite all of our sophistication, we're just like bumping around like that. <laughs> right? Like that's so stupid. Really? Like is. how could you ever how could any person ever think that they're like cool or hot shit when you like do that? Just, yeah. uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not cool. No. I I will argue to this day that there is not one person on the face of this earth that looks cool having sex. No, but you can't. I don't think there's a single person. You can't. But anyway, would you agree with my premise that you see female nudity coming? You're like, oh, it's coming. But male nudity is always kind of a surprise. Like, bam, there it is. Yeah, by far. Yeah, it's... A lot of times I just bring out the dick. You don't even know. And you're like, oh, shit, there's dicks. There it is, right? It's always a surprise. Which is fine, once again. Fem- I don't, you know, it doesn't matter your sexual orientation or what you're into. If a dick pops up on the screen, you're going to be surprised one way or the other. Yeah, it's more surprising. There's a level of surprise. It's not just like, boom, titties. <laughs> no. But it is like, no. boom, wiener. Yeah. I wiener. Agree. Okay. 
Uh, what's in your honorable mention? Uh, let's see. So I have Scooby-Doo, Cheers, which I only put Cheers on because everyone knows your name. Uh, SpongeBob, you know, just because, once again, I think SpongeBob's up oh, there. Oh, that's with, a good one. It's up there with Bluey um, to me. Simpsons. I also have the, the Flintstones, but, you know, a couple old school picks there at the end. I have some in there that are in my honorable mention. I have Cheers as well. Uh, I have X Files. That's it. Sets up the show. That's how I went with it. Maybe it's not musically, but it sets up the show. You're like, do what has it go? I don't know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I went way too high, but yeah, I don't think that's how it goes either. So, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. how does it like you can picture it it's like as soon as you you can picture it but as soon as you try to grab it it slips away from you well like most things uh, i don't know i feel like jeopard let me see if we can get it hold on that's how it goes yeah. that's a good theme song man that sets you up for the episode you would listen to it Whereas I think that a lot of the ones that you put on there, you would skip right over it. You wouldn't do that with Game of Thrones. Well, you would watch it. Well, I don't. I didn't have a lot of dramas on my. Uh, I, I don't think I had one drama on my list. You know, mo- most of mine were like shows where you the, the theme came on. And you're like, awesome, like fantastic. Here we go. Like it's going to be a fun time. You have on all these shows with dicks in them. Well, yeah, dude, Game of Thrones, baby. That's why I watched it. <laughs> Uh, I have Jeopardy in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, boring, but yeah. I think that there's a Jeopardy's a pretty good one. It's iconic though. Like, oh yeah, that's easily you have to agree that's easily the best game show theme song. Yes, by far. Uh, I don't even know if I can name you other ones. I don't know what any. Maybe I don't know what any of the other ones even sound like. <laughs> I one that I left off that I just thought of. I don't know if I would have put it on my list other than my honorable mention, but do 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 you have it guts? Oh, I don't remember that one. I think that there's a lot that are like supposedly really good that are before our time, like All in the Family, The Jeffersons. Yeah, but those are before but, our time. You know, we only include things from our time. Most Moving times. On up. To the deluxe apartment in the sky. Anyways. It actually, I think this actually worked. I think we actually got through this. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And let us know what you think are some of the best TV show themes. I know that Game of Thrones, like maybe that song isn't as good, but I think it set the mood for the show better than any other theme song. Maybe Fresh Prince is pretty far up there too in terms of that. And I got to give John credit. We had real big technical difficulties and he fought through it. Normally he's a guy who gives up pretty easily, but not anymore. This is a brand new John. Proud of him. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.